Bunasi Bunvinix to neither the time nor the space. My name is David, and as always, I'm joined by the incredulous Matt. Hello there. So, uh, what language was I speaking there, Matt? Can you hazard a guess? Um, I don't know, Klingon or something? <laughs> Do you genuinely not know? No. Ah, so you've not even worked out how to say hello in the country that you're moving to in a couple of months' time. Oh, well, you've kind of released that, haven't you? Should we be serious (laughs) for a moment? Yeah, let's do it. Right, well, I... Basically, David, I've accepted a new job. Mm -hmm. So, in a couple of months, I'm moving overseas. Yeah. And, and lands as well, presumably. Yeah. So, I I mean, my intention is we just continue as normal. Like, we record online, we barely see each other. What, what difference does it make if I'm a few hundred thousand miles away? Yeah, quite. That's, uh, that's one way to look at it. Although, isn't a few hundred thousand miles like the moon? I'm not moving to the moon, by the way. I, I, I have no idea. I'll be honest, geography's never been my strong suit. Should, should, I, want... should I quickly Google it? Let's see if people yeah. can work out by how many miles. Uh, uh, that would be great if through this whole episode we never actually mentioned what country you're moving to. Google So people maps. Can, can try and work it out from my introduction. Uh, I'm not going to lie, David. I've spent all day building up to talking about that on the pod and you've just, uh, just uh, really gone from it. Distance <laughs> from Yorkshire to unnamed country. Mm. Whilst you're Googling, uh, Matt, I, I do also want to quickly apologise to, to eagle-eared listeners. Uh, you'll probably notice that my sound quality is shockingly bad this week. I, I, I really am sorry. I've had a complete tech disaster um, uh, this week and uh, I haven't had time to get it sorted. So I'm on, uh, on, on a sort of backup device at the moment. Hopefully, by the time we're recording next time, it'll all be sorted. But I'm afraid you're going to have to just uh, put up with it for this one, folks. Right. Let, let's be serious. Okay. I, I'm moving 1,600 miles away. That's a fair quantity of miles, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. We've kind of ripped the band-aid off. I didn't really know how I was going to approach talking about this, if I'm honest. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did kind of just uh, ambush you with it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were talking something about the episode. So, mm. lo- long story short, I've been approached to... It's a bit of a bucket list item for me to teach mm. overseas. And without any consultation with David, I've accepted. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't think you need to consult with me. <laughs> No, it's fine. I, I should be low down on the priorities list of people who, who factor into your decision making. Especially, as you say, um, we've, we've basically not seen each other in person for about three years anyway, despite living, uh, you know, at most 15 miles away from each other. Do, do you think the chances of us seeing each other have actually increased by me moving away? It's, it's entirely possible. Right. Let, let's address this sensibly. I keep saying that and then changing the subject. Yeah. Um, so, ultimately, mid-August, I'm having a bit of an upheaval. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really see it impacting the pod at all. 
Except there might be one week where, I don't know, instead of watching Doctor Who, I'll just talk to you about my new life overseas. Yeah, yeah, or we'll, or you know, we might. We, there might be a bit of disruption to recording whilst you're getting yourself set up. So if if we're really be, we looking, do, it might be fall a, on the week where we don't record. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So there we'll may, have to see. There may not be any disruption, um, but ultimately, like I say, it's 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 actually been pretty quick. Um, I'm a little bit dissatisfied at work, so I put some feelers out. Put my CV online within 24 hours, got a call. 24 hours after that, had an interview. 24 hours after that, had a second interview and got offered the position. So in a space of about two and a half months, I'm selling all my worldly possessions and moving abroad. Yeah. It's it's kind of... uh, Yeah, it, it, it... it's amazing. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to lie. I'm. I'm slightly jealous. Not. Not in the sense that it's something that I would be want jumping at the chance to do in my current circumstances. But the fact that you, you know, you have the freedom to just be like, you know what, sod it. I'm just going to go move to a completely different country. That's an exciting adventure. And and I, I genuinely, from the bottom of my, of my heart, I, I, I wish you, you know. All, all the luck in the world with it. I hope it is a brilliant adventure because, uh, yeah, it yeah. should be. Well, as I said when we talked earlier in the week, when I was mm-hmm. filling out the application form and it said, like, place of birth, I put Yorkshire, and then it said, where have you been educated? And I wrote, Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Then it said, where do you currently live? And I put, Yorkshire. <laughs> That, 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 that's when I realised this was probably something I needed to do, you know. Uh, as I said to you in the week, someday, in, well, hopefully in a few years' time, I'm going to die, David, and someone's yes. going to read my obituary, and it might just be the word Yorkshire. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm having an adventure. It's, it's an opportunity that, even though I didn't really know I was looking for it, I've been offered a package that's a little bit too good to turn down really yeah, yeah. so yes yeah and, and now and now your obituary might end uh might conclude with you uh being bored to death by a bear rather than yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather out... than having having a heart attack outside thomas the bankers yeah that's it it turns <laughs> out bear population's pretty high over there <laughs> yeah yeah they didn't put that in the advert for the job <laughs> But uh, yeah, so but yeah, it's it, it's exciting. You know, I I think I mean since day dot we've been pretty honest with people who listen. So you know, as we get closer, you'll probably get more information about what happens in terms of pod. I mean, we we spoke earlier in the week. David's known mm-hmm. for quite a while, but I mean, my intention is just business as usual. Although, yeah, I am going to have to side up right. to NordVPN so I can get iPlayer overseas. <laughs> well, that's essential regardless, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it's exciting. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit stressful, if I'm honest. It's, mm-hmm. You know, but I, I'm a great believer everything happens for a reason, so why not? Give it a go. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to hear all about it. If nothing else, it's going to give you some cracking fodder for Meal of the Fortnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I'm eating nondescript meats <laughs> that could well be bear. <laughs> yeah, do let me know if you eat some bear. That's, that's information that needs to be shared. Yeah, so probably a new segment coming your way. Matt's Overseas Adventures. Mm, I, forward to I, it. I don't think in the entire time we've done this podcast, I think I've been to Scotland. I think that's the only country I've visited during the duration of this pod. Uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, I've not even made it across to Wales. The trouble with where we are, Wales, is just that little bit too far, isn't it? It's basically France, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, if it's south it's of shame. Leeds. I like Wales. But... Uh, I don't think I've ever been. Have you ever been to Wales? No. Oh, my I, uh, my parents used to drag me over to Wales all the time because uh, on my dad's side, my, my, my dad is half Welsh. So he has this affinity uh, with with Wales and any... Any opportunity, he, he, he'd spend any sort of like wet bank holiday dragging me and my brother reluctantly up a Welsh mountain. Oh, <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, I, I've not really been since since those family holidays. Mm-hmm. I've just not, It's it, it, as an opportunity, it's not really presented itself. And when you can get similar, not identical, don't come at me Welsh listeners, but similar enough terrain, if you just head far enough, uh, far up enough in Scotland, um, you know you'll get your lush green mountains and whatnot. And um, so, I, I, yeah, just haven't really uh, had call to go back yet. But I would like to eventually. Cool. Uh, I would also like to visit the country you're moving to. Yeah. But, uh, well, uh, I'll send you plenty of pictures. Yeah, you know. I don't. I don't. So I've sent all my documentation for like work permit and visa. Mm-hmm. And when I had my interview with the school director, she was like, "Can you be here mid-August?" And I said yes. And we've kind of just left it at that. <laughs> like, as part of the package, like I do get accommodation and stuff, but I don't know what what my address is or anything. I'm sure that'll that'll turn up. Well, it better. Yeah. It's got about six weeks till I go. So. Yeah. I mean when I when I um applied for my job at the NHS, I think it was like two and a half months between me accepting the job offer and HR actually getting into gear and, and uh giving me a start date. Mm. Um so hopefully it's not that bad. I imagine, I imagine the school you're going to be teaching at is is a little more efficiently run than our uh, intentionally hobbled uh, national health service. Mm, I'm going private healthcare when I'm over there. Ooh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But is that just because there's basically no alternative? Yeah, and also <laughs> I don't know the language well enough to scream, "Ow, I've broken my leg." <laughs> so, who knows? So you, you, basically you need someone to be able to just take a look at you and go, ah, there's someone with a broken leg. Yeah. Which which isn't a guarantee in the NHS. I, I think all I'm, going, <laughs> all I'm going to do is I'm going to do typical Britain on holiday. 
I'm going to learn how to say, do you speak English poorly? Uh And when they don't understand me, I will just say, do you speak English in increasingly louder tones whilst pointing? (laughs) Yep. That's, that's, that's the way we do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Exciting. Um, so Matt, what, what else did you want to talk about? Uh, well, since you mentioned it, should we do mm. Meal of the Week? Meal of the Fortnight, well, sorry. Meal of the Week. Meal of the Fortnight. Mm, yes. Can do. Can do. Because I've, I've got a really good entry this week. Okay. Well, mine's going to be fairly disappointing. Sort of. I don't know. It's all right. Um, so I'll get mine over and done with. Uh, the other day, uh, Sunday evening, uh, my, my partner had been working all weekend and finished a little bit early, earlier on the Sunday. And so she popped to the shops on her way home, got some bits and bobs for a picnic and whisked me and little Zorbs off to um, the nearby-ish uh, Codbeck Reservoir. For a little jaunt to the picnic. Do you know what? I've already talked about when I die, but that that's where I want my ashes spread. Oh, Codbeck. Yeah, when it happens, yeah. that's where I want to go. Yeah. It's gorgeous, isn't it? I love it. It is a gorgeous, yeah. I love it. Yeah. If you're ever in, in our neck of the woods, listeners, uh, worth a visit. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, you know, just nice little bits and bobs. Um, you know, usual sort of snacky picnic type things. But it was more about the setting, really, than the food, if I'm being honest. What about you, Matt? Uh, Mine was actually last Thursday. Where I had a lovely ginger beer. Ooh. I think I was present for that ginger beer. Exactly. It wasn't the ginger beer, it was the company. Because for the (laughs) first time in however long, three years-ish, we hung out properly this week. Yes. Like, not just drive past, wave out the car, not just like, oh, I've got some stuff to drop off, but I'll talk to you over the fence because of COVID. Like, we Mm -hmm. spent an evening together. Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? Do you you know what my favourite bit was? What was that? Little Zorbs. What an absolute cracker he's turned out to be. (laughs) He's he's an entertaining fellow, for sure. I, I... I opened the garden gate and you were sort of at the back door and you shouted hello and immediately he just went, Matt, do you want to watch me ride my bike? (laughs) Yeah. At which point I said, why don't I ride my bike and you drive my car? And for half a second he contemplated it. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Until your partner just went, oh, that's a silly idea. Oh man, (laughs) she really got in the way of some some 10 out of 10 fun there. Uh, also, yeah. I think he liked it when I was clicking my car alarm on the key fob and going, oh, it's a little boy alarm. It goes off when little boys. <laughs> yeah. What what an absolute star he's turned out to be. Yeah, he's good company. Yeah. He definitely is. Uh, I also like uh, when I was saying, wow, that's great. You're brilliant at riding your bike. He went, yeah, I'm really good at making friends too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, 2 nil to Zorbs. <laughs> To be to, to be fair, I'm not sure that's strictly true. Well, he certainly won me over, David. All he's, right, he's one for he's one certainly, in my books. He he brings he brings an ebullient charm wherever he goes. Yeah, 
I think it, uh, unfortunately, I think it works better on adults than it does kids of his own age. Right, yeah. like, uh, he was just yeah. an absolute hurricane of fun. He was like, do yeah. you want to see my robots? Do you like robots? Can I show you my bike? Can you ride a bike? <laughs> I, I couldn't keep up. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. good. He might have undiagnosed ADHD, <laughs> but he's good. No, you shouldn't <laughs> say such things, David. He's just, he's just full of vigour. <laughs> I don't know because I think I I also might have undiagnosed ADHD. So <laughs> no, no. Uh, I can't remember what else he said that really made me laugh. There was two or three little bits. Mm. I think when I asked him what his robot was called, he told me it was something like Bertram, and I was like, that's a, that's an odd name for a robot, but I like it. Yeah, he's 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 good improviser. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, um, yeah, no, that was that was a lovely evening. We were in in the company of our of our friend Roy as well, who we've mentioned on pod before. Yeah, not for a couple of years, I don't think. But I uh, I, I don't think the three of us have been in the same room post COVID. Uh, I'm trying to think. Did you not come along to like one D and D session? Maybe. 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 But uh, it's been it's been pretty. Pretty slim opportunities of late, um, but yeah, we're all we're basically all in a position one way or another of having a lot going on in our lives, and we were we were very much in need of a catch up. Yeah. So, yeah, it I should have chosen the same event really for my uh, meet of the fortnight, and then I could have legitimately chosen a glass of water again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't think that didn't go unnoticed when it was like, <laughs> what can I get you to drink? And you just went, oh, I'm really big into glasses of water at the moment. I was just like, oh, David, we've covered this. We've been here before. I do like it, though. I'll be though. I'm on. The, I'm on the decaffeinated tea this evening. So I'm on by mistake. Okay, it it it's still hot. We haven't talked about it, but it's still hot. So yeah. it it it's been shandy weather recently. It it has, yeah. But I I've taken a bit of a shining to cider this year. Oh, I see. But I like every cider except traditional apple cider. Ah, uh, so you want you want like the Copperbergs and whatnot. Well, I've I've gone big on Strongbow Dark Fruits, and I know Dark Fruits is a bit of a meme and people laugh at it, but it is mm-hmm. it's quite nice. But then they've also done Strongbow Tropical uh, Cider, which I quite like. It just tastes like lilt. <laughs> I was going to say Dark Fruits. It is doesn't that basically just taste like alcoholic? Robinson squash. Yeah, it's just black currant. Now I thought <laughs> I'd picked up some dark fruits, but it turns out I've actually picked up rose cider, ah. which I think is just made of red apples. Because it tastes like what's that? Is it Capella, the posh apple juice? Oh yeah, I know the stuff. Yeah, it just tastes like that. So mm. sounds lovely. No, noticeably, as I've left my job and plan to move, you know, cross continent, um, I've been drinking a lot more recently, David. I think <laughs> I think I'm doing quite well at controlling my anxiety, but most nights mm-hmm. it's just a booze fest. <laughs> um, do you know what the drinking culture's like in the country you're moving to? Um. What do they tend to drink over there? I think it's quite good for, like, craft beers. Mm. Um, but 
I don't know, because I, I am moving to a capital city. Yeah. So my understanding is that it's quite big for like stag do's and like night culture. Yeah. But I'm I'm moving to like a suburb quite out of the city centre. Mm-hmm. I did it today on Google Maps. I was like, I wonder how long it'll take me to walk into town. It's a two-hour walk, so I'll be yeah. I'll be getting the bus. Uh, yeah. But uh, in terms of drinking, I don't really know. I don't really know. That's something I'll report back on. Like, I I, I listen to a different podcast. I've not really ever spoken about it, but uh, I listen to one called Cultaholic. So that's mm-hmm. like a YouTube channel, and they just talk about wrestling basically. And right. their editor uh, recently cycled the length of Japan. So they have a segment called Tubman in Japan, because his name's Richard Tubman. And he mm-hmm. every week checks in with them. So I'll do that. I'll, I'll give a little clue, see if people can work out where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do tweet at us, listeners, if you think you've figured it out already. Yeah. I'll give you a clue. It's not Mali. Or Burkina Faso. <laughs> there we go. We can you can cross those off your yeah. Off Maybe your every week I'll give you two countries. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it would only take what I, I don't know, a hundred and fifty episodes to whittle it down. Yeah, one of the jobs I applied for. Probably uh, more than that. I, I have no idea how many countries there are. Do you know how many countries there are? Uh, I do. Yeah. Um... Just entertain yourself whilst I just think about it for a second. There's 195. 195? You know what? That sounds low to me. Mm. Really? Mm. I think it's quite high. Yeah, no, I would have guessed... My initial guess was about 70, but I think that's just sort of like Africa and Asia. There's probably 70. Yeah, no, I was thinking if you you factor in all all of the little post-Soviet states, if you factor in uh, all of the, like, island nations and micronations and things like that, you know, it's, it racks up after a while, doesn't it? Could, but, I can't believe it's Bahrain, a country. What a waste of time. <laughs> just, I'm just looking at the world map. What, what a waste of time. You zoom out, you can't see that. It's about the size of Yorkshire. <laughs> not, not even, not even. I would say. So you think they should just not bother? No, but I, I did actually look when I uploaded our last episode, and mm-hmm. we've had four downloads from the country I'm moving to. Ooh, I think. Yeah. What? Well, eight, eight, four downloads ever? Ever. Yeah. So that means someone, one person, got four episodes in and thought, you know what, can't be asked for this. Either that or my new employers are doing background checks. <laughs> oh, imagine if it was someone's job to sit there and listen to every single episode of this just to check that you've not said anything incriminating. Oh, don't joke, David. I had a two-hour phone call with Interpol to see if I was fit to work <laughs> abroad the other day. Christ. Um, It's really dominated conversation, hasn't it? Um... It has. I mean, well, it, this, it's by far the most interesting thing that's happened to either of us for months. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about music quickly? 
you got anything? Yeah. Uh, for, for what, that what's, segment? Been, what's been your? Uh, that's beside the point for this week. So, go, for as we gotten closer to the record date for this episode i was convinced that i was going to be telling you about the new king gizzard and the wizard album uh which is called should i quickly look up the title for you uh, uh you don't have to because nobody cares now i will do because i it's it's enjoyable to to say but i want to get it right um so the new King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard album is entitled uh, Petra, uh, Petrodragonic Apocalypse or Dawn of Eternal Night, an Annihilation of Planet Earth and the Beginning of Merciless Damnation. Um, it's good. I'm enjoying that album a great deal. But What water? Listening to the album in its entirety <laughs> or just simply saying its uh, title? Uh, it's about the same. It's a, you know, it's a fairly tight album. Um about 40 minutes but um yeah the um uh, but i've been watching uh, i've been catching up on bits and bobs of glastonbury as and when i've had the opportunity because mm-hmm. uh, of course it was glastonbury this weekend just gone um and the uh, and i discovered an artist through it that i'd never heard of before um a, a is it rick South astley Korea- it wasn't Rick Astley. Okay. No, I still haven't watched his set yet, but I might. I've heard good things, genuinely. Um, uh, no, it was it was a South Korean uh, folk band. I've seen them described on the internet as shamanic folk pop. Okay. If you can imagine such a thing. Uh, they're called ADG7, and uh, they were, quite honestly, brilliant. And genuinely, um, I've not seen... I, I've watched... Probably four or five Glastonbury sets at this point blows the others out of the water. Even the comet is coming, which I'm a big fan of. They're a, a British um, sort of uh, new jazz group. Um, not a patch on ADG Seven. Not sure I will see a better live set from anyone this year. In all honesty, um, incredible energy playing instruments that I, I I couldn't even tell you the names of. Just proper, what the hell is that thing type <laughs> instruments making noises um, I've never heard before. Uh, incredible singing, bit of choreography. Um, sort of like, um, yeah, just a, a really interesting fusion of traditional South Korean um, folk music and I guess probably like just full-on k-pop not in the sense of having uh you know like electro pop backing tracks or anything like that they're pretty much a fully acoustic group by the looks of things but in terms of the arrangements and the the singing and the choreography and everything it, it has that kind of k-pop flavor to it which makes it very accessible um yeah i genuinely i don't I, whatever your taste in music is if you have access to bbc iplayer it's worth giving that a butcher's before it drops off in a month's time. And if you don't have access to BBC iPlay, just send me a message. I'll send you my NordVPN login. <laughs> I, have you have you arranged a sponsorship yet, Matt? Because that's the second name drop. Oh, sorry. I, I was a bit unfocused there. I was too busy playing Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> it's got so many heroes, David. 
How many does it have these days, man? Oh, uh, I would count them the way I count sheep on my Casper mattress. <laughs> I do. I do hope this is a fifty-fifty arrangement, mm. Matt. What's that razor brand everyone advertises? Let's get them on board as well. Harry's, Harry's razors. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're two big hairy men. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I will say. Um, to my shame, I do have Harry's face. I, I will say, when we hung out the other day, I didn't realise you'd grown your hair out. It looks great. Oh, thank you. It's nice of you to say. I would say it's still in somewhat of a transitional phase. Mm. Um, before you knew me, Matt, I, I used to have long hair. You, you've always you had only... longer hair than me, and I would never describe you as mm. ever having short hair. Like I don't think I've ever yeah. seen you with a gentleman's short back and sides. No, I, I've, I. The only reason I've ever had it remotely short is in order to look employable. Right. Um, and uh, after a good decade of bouncing between jobs, I'm miserable in. Now that I'm finally in one that I'm pretty comfortable in and I don't want to really move fr- on from, I'm like, sod it. The the long hair's coming back. Good. It looked great. Ah, thank you. So I. Didn't have that's beside the point, so I've gone for the gamble of shuffle again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I, I flipped through a few songs, and I'm going to put forward who I think have probably been the best British band of the last ten fifteen years. Oh, that's that's a big claim. Yeah, but every, every album they've released has been great. I think mm. I must have probably come across them about two thousand fourteen where they did one of the songs on the old FIFA computer game, back back when that used to be fun. Um, And then I liked it, bought their album, bought the second album. And do you ever get it where one of your favourite bands is releasing a new album and you haven't heard anything from it and you just want it to be good? And that almost desperation. I remember I went to go see... When I went to Radio 1's big weekend, I was really desperate to go see Haim. And when I was walking towards the tent to go see them, there was a big poster announcing that they had a second album coming out. And I was like, oh my God. And it was an absolute banger. But I'm, I'm going to put forward this week, are you familiar with the band Churches? Um, do, do they normally spell it Churches? Yeah, it's got a V in it. And the E yeah. three little lines. Uh yeah, I'm I'm I've seen the name around. I haven't heard them. They I believe also have a Glastonbury set up on iPlayer mm. at the moment. Well, I remember when their third album came out, and the first album was great. The second album was great, and I remember being like, "Oh, third album." And and the first song I heard from it is the one I'm going to put forward for. That's beside the point. A song called "Get Out," and I just remember listening to it, and it was totally different to everything they've done. But I was like, mm-hmm. that is sensational. How would you characterise their sound? Because I don't know that I've ever actually, so, at least not actively, heard them. It's a little bit electronic. So they have mm-hmm. synth and what have you, electric drum loops and things. But mm. they also have live like guitar and you know keyboards. So it's kind of like synthy rock. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're they they're a little bit like, I nearly said Reuchsop, that's not it. What's the German electronic band called? 
Uh, craft work. Yeah, they're a bit like craft work in some, but a bit friendlier. Right, okay. You know, it's not just like computer love, computer love. <laughs> That's a genuine craft work song, if you didn't know. Um, is, yeah. But yeah, they're like friendlier, but like, I don't really know. I, I just love everything they've done. They, I should probably give them a give them a butcher's. You know, whilst I'm doing my my Glastonbury ch- catch up, maybe I'll uh, check that like, set out. It's, their most recent album, been... the debut mm. track was a de- uh, duet with Robert Smith from The Cure, so that was beautiful as well. Yeah, I've never I've never got on with The Cure. I will say I know that's blasphemy to you, Matt. Did you know I've got a giant never... picture of Robert Smith hanging in my living room? I do. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah, yeah. No, they just never clicked with me. Wow. I can't wait to get on that plane. Podcast done. We're we're through. (laughs) You've said the one thing. Uh, That's the thing, is it? That's the uh, the line that shouldn't have been crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, Matt. Do you want some listener tweets? Yeah, we might as well. Yeah, Bernice Summerfield and all that, whatever. Right, moving on. Listener tweets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a joke that's died right I'm going to warn you in advance David yeah. I'm a bit annoyed with listener tweets this week okay. and it's my it's Why? my own fault right because I just put any questions before we record this weekend and people seem to forget we don't do Doctor Who questions anymore right so some of the absolute jokers that listen have asked Doctor Who questions but jokes on them don't forget we can see everything you like on Twitter. And some of them are real weirdos, David. <laughs> All right? So I'm just putting that out there. Real sick freaks out there. <laughs> but one of them is not the kindest guy in all of podcasting, Mr. Mark Cochran. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, David. Okay. And I, th- I feel we've answered this question already. Uh, Mark just simply says, are you fluent in any other languages? Uh, no I would not go so far as to say fluent I used to be okay at French but I've not really Uh, done it since GCSE oui je parle un peu français Uh, oui oui Uh, what about hi watashi wa sukosi nihongo hanasimas I'm pretty sure that's Japanese I do not know what you said it's incredibly poor Japanese (laughs) <laughs> what about Davob? I can't get this out. Davobesk Putin Romana. I'm pretty sure that's Kabayan. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> there you go. Right. Do you want some questions from James Swift? Yeah, go on then. Right. Two questions from James Swifty Swift this week. Oh. In fact, say, say hello to James Swift because he tweets us every week. If anyone deserves a hello, say hello to James Swift. Hello, James. Uh, it's a two part question. Question one How's David getting on with Mist? <laughs> uh, moving on. Okay. Have you still got it installed on your Switch or have you totally uninstalled it? <laughs> I've uninstalled it to make room for other stuff. I've uh, recently been playing through New Super Lucky's Tale with, uh, with Little Zorbs. Okay. He's been enjoying that. Did you see the Nintendo Direct this week? No, I don't. I never watch it. Ah, there's so much coming to Switch. Is that? Yeah, Mario RPG off the SNES coming to Switch. Oh, you know what? Never played that. Might give 
might get that. There's port. a new 2D side-scrolling Mario game coming where Mario turns into an elephant. And oh, that sounds weird, but I'm most importantly, here. Metal Gear Solid Collection, Metal Gear One, Two, and Three coming to Switch. I've never played a Metal Gear Solid game. Right. Well, I might treat you to them. Mm. Question two: Does David regret telling Matt he started playing Mist? <laughs> yes. I a... I also installed Mist when it was on Game Pass. Yeah. And I got off a boat, walked up to some sort of observatory, pulled a sequence of levers. Nothing happened, so I uninstalled the game. <laughs> Okay. I don't I don't yeah. think it's on Game Pass anymore. No, probably not. Right. Uh, next question from Sonia. Say hello to Sonia. She always tweets us as well. Hi, Sonia. Uh, Sonia says... Well, there's a few questions here as well. So we'll go one by one. What's your favourite class okay. to play in D&D? Um, I, I generally prefer playing spellcasters. I think when we um, did our big campaign, were you a druid? Druid, yeah. Druid, druid would probably be my go-to. If I were to roll up a new character and I had absolute freedom, yeah, I'd probably go druid again. I think uh, in all the... Specifically, I, I... Sorry, go on. Go on, sorry. No, I interrupted you. I was going to say, the, the, the lovely thing about druid is you've got all the spellcasting stuff, but also I love the shape-changing element. I think when we played initially, I played Paladin, but I played a pacifist Paladin that abhorred violence, and one of the yeah. people we played with got so angry, he went home and never came back. That was good fun. <laughs> um, and then... I, I remember that session vividly. Yeah. He was like, are you going to help me? There's a big monster blocking the road. And I was like, well, all creatures are entitled to survival, so... <laughs> And I think it was like almost a TPK, and I was just like, don't worry about it, guys. I'm just going to enchant some wood. Um, and then I think I played a swashbuckler, but he died. He fell yeah. off a bridge, didn't he? Oh, and did? it was yeah. all those really easy rolls that I should have made, and I just rolled one after one and just died. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Like, I've got... Uh, for every character... I've ever played in games with you. I've still got the miniatures. So I've got like a little yeah. pirate miniature. Um, I've got a paladin miniature. So You've, um, you, you, you're pretty eclectic, I think, when it comes to D&D taste, aren't you? Yeah. Like... Thing is, when we played, I largely DM'd. So a lot of the... That's true. A lot you of the did, time... You, you dm for quite a while, A lot you? of the time, when I... Um, played characters a lot of the time i was just filling gaps so yeah. if people were doing little one shots i would just create whatever the party needed i don't know maybe when i move overseas we could start a neither the time nor the space online D D game that'd be great i'd be up for it people in america waking up at two in the morning because we're all in different time zones <laughs> people in australia wanting to go to bed marty mclean up past his bedtime playing D D with us <laughs> I tell you who I bet's great at D and D. Rod Henderson. He does like Shakespearean oh, yeah. acting and stuff. Yeah, oh, no, man. He'd be brilliant. We've got to get him on board. Right, question two from Sonia. Uh, what book or series or video game would you like to see adapted into a television show or film? Mm. 
missed the movie. (laughs) And it's entirely first person. Oh, I'm trying to whittle it down to just one in my head. Because it's something that I just uh, think about all the time. Uh, I'll tell you what, genuinely, what I would love more than anything else at the moment um, is uh, Little Zorb's favourite book series. Um, it's the the it's uh, all written and illustrated by one guy called Johnny Duddle, and um, it's some of them are like sort of big format children's picture books. Some of them are like um, sort of short chapter books with lots of illustrations. Uh, and it's called the Jolly Rogers, and it's basically about this uh, family of pirates, and it's set in the present day in sort of fairly normal, boring Britain, but you've got this whole like subculture of pirates, nice. um, going still going around sailing the seven seas and finding treasure and stuff, and um, it centres on their son um, called Jim Lad. And uh, his friend, who is a quote-unquote landlubber, who lives in a in a really boring seaside town in the south of England, and uh, they are really charming and funny and silly, and uh, yeah, little Zorbs, he's he's as into pirates as he is uh, robots these days, as a result of those books. Wow! And I think it it would be a really great. I could see it working in animation or live action, um, but like a proper sort of BBC kind of thing, you know. I think if if you tried to sort of adapt it for American audiences, you would lose all the charm. Right. For me, my mind immediately went to like the first computer game I think I ever played. I'm going to go for Fantasy World Dizzy. On the ZX Spectrum. Um, right. Okay. Uh, You'll have to tell, fill me in on right. that. Right. Well, I'm just on the Wikipedia. All you really need to know is Dizzy is an egg. Right. Okay. And this is from Wikipedia. The game's plot revolves around Dizzy and his girlfriend, Daisy. Daisy is taken by the King Troll whilst walking through a forest with Dizzy. And he has to chase after her. On his way, Dizzy must also collect 30 coins. Some of them are quite hidden well. Oh, hidden quite well, sorry. Uh, It was given a score of 9 out of 10 by Eurogamer. Uh, Zero punctuation gave it the title Best Game Ever. And a Nintendo Entertainment System was developed in April 1993, but was not released until 24 years later in April 2017. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Fantasy World Dizzy, the best game ever. Yeah. Netflix could get three seasons out of that, I'm sure. Ah, there's hundreds, hundreds of Dizzy games on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It was shovelware before shovelware. Right. Amazing. Next question is from Ariel. She's talking about Doctor Who here, but I'm going to change it and say she's talking about Torchwood. What's one okay. historical event or time period the show hasn't explored that you'd love to see in Torchwood? Oh, in Torchwood. Um, let's think. Um, let's go Neolithic. Yeah. yeah I'd love to see Torchwood's um, 
just just uh, getting embroiled in some sort of drama with uh, uh, hunter gatherers or something. I I'd like them to go back to that episode of Doctor Who where it's George Stevenson and the Luddites, and it's just about <laughs> coal mining, but it's just Torchwood. Would you have it be like a genuine sort of retroactive crossover? So you'd have you'd have like a stunt double in uh, Colin Baker's costume, and you just sort of see the back of his coat. Yeah. Every now and again. And he ki- like a whole. He kisses John Barrowman. That'd be. <laughs> oh God. Right next up, James Courtney, with Glastonbury just behind us. I have to ask, what is the best stone circle or monument in the UK? Uh, Castle Rig. Oh really? Well, certainly in England, um, there are some in Scotland that I've not been to that I would like to go to, um, especially um, on some of the islands. Um, but I would certainly say, um, of the ones that I've personally visited, Castle Rig in Cumbria is my favourite by far. I'm, I mean, he does say stone circle or monument. What's a mm. what's a good monument? Hmm. I'm just going to say Monument Metro Station in Newcastle. Because <laughs> that's... Also good. That's near where I met Rob from the Cloister Bell. So, that that was great. Many happy memories of that day. Uh, oh, another one from James Swift. Oh. He just says, David, are you fearful over AI or excited? Oh... Um, 50-50 at the moment, if I'm being honest. Um, I think it has enormous potential. The the most uh, persuasive argument I've heard, uh, because, of course, the, 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 the real benefit of AI is it, is it can sort of collate knowledge in a way that a human being just couldn't. Mm-hmm. So... The, the prospect of someone being able to prompt an AI to basically say, hey, do you want to have a look at this cancer business for us? See if you can figure that out. And for it to just spit out a cure for cancer because it's managing to join dots that scientists just haven't managed to join together yet. Um, it's It might sound far-fetched, but we could reach a point where we have an AI powerful enough to do that. That's great. Um, in the short to medium term, I'm very worried about what it's going to do to the creative industries, mm-hmm. um, especially when we seem to be living in an age where there's this ever increasing push towards just generating content for the sake of content. As we've got all of these proliferating streaming services, it seems I feel like there has been a dilution in quality generally, and I think. AI will only further contribute to that dilution. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's fascinating as well, and I'd be lying if I haven't already been sort of played around with it and seen what I can do to to kind of use it almost as a collaborative partner for creative projects and things. Now, so that is interesting to me. I wasn't certain what to answer, so I've asked Chat GPT. Okay. Uh, I I just put, should I be fearful of AI? And it says, as an AI myself, I understand why there may be concerns or fears surrounding AI. However, it's important to approach the topic with a balanced perspective. 
AI, like any other technology, has both potential benefits and risk. Here's a few points to consider. Uh, AI capabilities, ethical considerations, job displacement, unintended consequences, and human control. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a big one. I, I, uh... Hold on. Shut your stupid mouth. Chat. <laughs> GPT. Uh, it's just formulating a response. Should we leave it to its own devices and move uh, on? Somehow? It's apologised. Yeah. What, what a little wuss. Just rolls over <laughs> and accepts I'm right. Right. Um, next question. Final question. Comes from the Cloyster Bell podcast. Hello, Cloyster Bell podcast. It just says, it's the light at the end. Your uh, next recording. Yeah. We're doing it now. Yeah, you're in it. Here we go. Uh, what did you make of uh, the light at the end? Oh well, I I already knew that I really liked it. Um, that's why I chose it for this week. Uh, what did you think of it, Matt? I, I I struggled with it. I'm not saying it's mm. bad, but for example, like there was a conversation at the beginning. And because I don't listen to a lot of Big Finish and haven't watched a lot of Classic Who, I just had no idea who was talking. And then it was right. like a good 20 minutes later, it just went, oh yeah, that was the master. <laughs> and- <laughs> to, to be fair to you, to be fair to you, when I was listening to it, I, was th- I suddenly thought, ah, oh, you know what? Matt hasn't encountered the crispy master yet, has he? No. So... Um, I probably should have given you a heads up on that, and I didn't, so I apologise for that, Matt. So, yeah, the Crispy Master, as portrayed by... Uh, is it Terry Malloy? Uh, I'm suddenly doubting myself. I feel like it is, right? I'll have to have a look. On uh, oh, TARDIS Wikia, he's down as the Decayed Master. Yeah, everyone calls him the Crispy Master, though. Um, main... What is going on here? TARDIS Wikia is awful for pop-ups. Let me have a look. Yeah, it's dreadful. Main actor, Jeffrey Beavers. Other actors... Jeffrey Beavers. Who, uh, was Terry Malloy... I think Terry Malloy might have been the original Davros. Maybe that's what... Right. I was getting confused with that. Um, but yeah. What did you think of Jeffrey Beavers' uh, Master? Yeah. Yeah, it was a different take on one of my favourite characters. Yeah, yeah, I really, I, I find, especially when you compare him against the modern masters, he's so much more centred, and in some ways that makes him all the more sinister. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, he's one. He's one of the uh, go-to masters for Big Finish because, of course, they they can't get uh, Delgado or Ainley. Um, so he's kind of the, the the main classic master that they have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just get someone to him, get AI to bring Anthony Ainley back. Well, they've done the next best thing, and they've done they've used John Culture on a few occasions. Yeah, he you know what he does. I don't always love John Culture as an impressionist, but he does an uncannily good Ainley master. I don't mind John Culshaw. I just don't find him very funny. I don't find impressions no. funny. 
I think you the the thing with impressions is you've got to be doing something good with it's not enough to just do the impression and leave it at that. And I think Dead Ringers were, were guilty of that at time. Mm-hmm. I thought do you remember Alistair McGowan? So big impression. I, I had a video that was called Alistair McGowan's Football Back Chat. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was comedy gold, David, let me tell you that. But he, yeah. he would just take interviews of footballers and just dub it so they were talking about who won the pub quiz and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, because I think the thing that... I don't know whether it holds up. I remember watching it as a kid who was just getting into comedy at the time, and I don't know whether it would hold up now, but at the time, when I think back on it, I think about how they would do the impression that they would do really clever things with it. Like, for example, he did he did a bang on Doc Cotton from EastEnders, but they he'd do it as Steptoe from Steptoe and Son because they have <laughs> uncannily similar voices. <laughs> so you'd have Doc Cotton in Steptoe and Son. And so, you know, there was an extra layer on top. It wasn't coasting on just the quality of the impression. Um... So, yeah, but but I will say John Colshaw genuinely seems like a really lovely bloke. He is a lifelong Doctor Who fan um, and he does a lot of work with Big Finish. He, he's also their go to for the Brig of the Year now that um, Nicholas Courtney is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And he's very good at that as well. So I, I don't resent them using him to play those kinds of roles because he, he brings he brings a reverence to the material and and a respect for the actors. I was disappointed, though, for the 50th anniversary, the fact that Trout yeah. and Hartnell and Pertwee just couldn't be bothered to be involved. I thought that was disappointing. No, it is a shame, isn't it? Yeah. You'd think they would have picked the phone. What was Herndall doing? Get him involved. <laughs> he is the first Doctor, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> of course. Of course. The original, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, again, like going back to this, I thought yeah. I thought the plot. I mean, the plot is fine. It, it, you know, yeah, it's as good as it needs to be. Yeah, it, it's just here's the problem. Let's go solve it, and then they chuck a bit in at the beginning and the end just to make it a bit more interesting. But mm. yeah, I, I just struggled with the sheer number of characters, and I appreciate if you're a Doctor Who fan. You know these voices and who they are. Basically, if it wasn't Perry talking, I had no idea who it was. <laughs> and, well, and I'll tell you what. It also, I, yeah. it also, it took me ages to work out that it was Peter Davison because he's just got a normal man's voice. Like when you have Tom Baker, it's quite easy to know it's Big yeah. Tom. And you know, yeah. I'm used to in terms of audio drama, the Eighth Doctor. Obviously, Colin Baker has got that recognisable voice. But then there's just this conversation that goes on for ages. And I'm like, is this the man from the beginning again whose house they land on? And then it just goes, oh, no, it's it's, it's Peter Davison. It's Davison and it's it's Nyssa is the companion who... I think Nyssa might be one of the few main classic companions you've not seen a story with. Did Was she in the cricket one? Oh, yeah, she was. She was barely in it. She's there. Yeah. And the trouble is, I will say, in addition to Davison having quite a, quite a plain voice, um, 
Nissa also has quite a sort of just standard Southern British, you know, no real affectation or um, quirk to her voice. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I can see why that would be an issue. But every time Paul McGann and Colin Baker are involved, it's absolute gold. They're great. Yeah. They are great. They are great. Like, um, McGann is just sensational. And teaming him up with... Is he teamed up with Tom Baker? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What a dream team. That, it is such a fun pairing, isn't it? Because you've got lovey-dovey Eighth Doctor with, like, come on, it's business time. Let's go save the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. it's. I was, I was thinking... When when I was listening to the Tom Baker scenes, like, oh my god, just the the twinkle in his voice, mm. every line, like nobody brings the twinkle like Tom Baker. I, I won't lie, I watched on YouTube that scene at the end of the fiftieth where he's you know uh, the curator. I, yeah. I turned it off after about three seconds. I just needed to hear. You know, I rather think you might. And I was like, <laughs> brilliant. Turn it off. Yeah. What a moment that was. But yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm not I'm not sitting here telling you that this is somehow better than the day of the doctor as a fiftieth anniversary thing. But what I what I think is like for me, this is comfort blanket. I, I think listening. I think Day of the Doctor is for fans like me and this is for fans like you. Yeah, you know, I I, I'm not fair. interested in classic Who tropes. Just give me a romp, yeah. okay? Whereas this, I, I mean, there's probably references and throwbacks that I don't even recognise in here. There's some little sneaky bits here and there in it, yeah. But it's all. I would say you don't need to know that stuff to get an in- enjoyment. I do think it works as a romp in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? I don't know how detailed notes you, you made. Did you want to be going through? I it made no notes, so this is all <laughs> Tardis Wiki, baby. All freewheeling. Right. Okay. So, uh, did did you want to go chronologically still? Or? Uh, yeah. Once I can click yeah. all these pop ups off this awful website. <laughs> right. So, basically, the master's talking to the Vess. Now, I'm unfamiliar with the Vess, but they're just like intergalactic arms dealers, aren't they? To be fair, I think they were created for the purposes of this story. Okay, so this is their first appearance, is it? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something, uh, I think, quite Douglas Adams-y about them as a concept. Mm -hmm. You know, these sort of just very bureaucratic intergalactic arms dealers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we get the Eighth Doctor with good old Charlie Pollard. She does not have that accent. Well, she doesn't anymore. Where's that gone? <laughs> what happened to like Eighth Doctor? She's well. Uh, that's there for like half of one episode because she's pretending to be. Um, have I totally a, misinterpreted like... her as like some sort of Victorian ragamuffin? Yes, yeah, she, she so she pretends initially to be 
a um a a, a commoner uh, and uh, is dressed as a boy in order to stow away on the R101 as a member of the crew. Right. And then her house but, is really sad and tries to kill her. Yeah, but she's, the end. But she's actually... Talk about obituaries. Imagine reading that at yeah. someone's funeral. But no, she's a proper... Uh, she's an Edwardian upper-class lady. Right, right. So anyway, their TARDIS goes a bit mad. There's a little yeah. red light. They go and find it. They go towards it. Uh, but en- they end up separating, don't they? Charlie gets locked in the TARDIS, and the Doctor doesn't. He goes and investigates the weapons factory. Yes. Okay. Uh, whilst Charlie's in the TARDIS, <laughs> she starts seeing things. Mm-hmm. And what she starts seeing is your friend and mine, Tom Baker, with Leela. Yeah. Is Leela the one that dresses like Tarzan? Yes. Right. Okay. I don't think I've seen her in anything. Yeah, you have. She was in the Robots of Death. Was she? Yeah. She was the, the only companion in that story. I don't really remember that one, other than there were some robots that killed people. I know it's called Robots of Death, but <laughs> yeah. they were like, they were bad costumes. Oh, wash your mouth out. I I'm not as wild about that story as a lot of people are, but I love the design of, of uh, those robots. I can't even remember what happened. Is that where they do a race on boats? They, no. they all merge into one. <laughs> that's, like... that's, that's enlightenment. That's a Davison story, right? I might have to. That, I might have to. Uh, you've got. You've got. Ad, that's uh, Adric and Tegan. Right. No, not Adric. Um, you got me doing Troughton. it. Like Troughton. Tur- yeah, not Troughton. Turlow. Yeah. Turlow, Tegan, and, and Davison. Oh man! Can't we just watch Spearhead from Space again next week? <laughs> right. Oh, uh, maybe. So. The Doctor, so I keep saying the Doctor, this is Baker, explains yeah. about regeneration to explain to Charlie that he's also the Doctor. Okay? Mm-hmm. And she talks to them about what's going on. Uh, they check and say that's true. Um, and time is folding in on itself. Yeah, you'll hear that a lot in this story. Yeah. Yeah. So they see all the other doctors and companions, along with another man, saying this is impossible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, oh yeah, as well as saying time is folding in on itself, if I have to hear about bloody drones one more time. <laughs> right. So the eighth doctor and the fourth doctor decide to contact the Time Lords um, to see what's going on. Um, but the TARDIS gets covered in slime. Yep, that happens. Okay. Uh, the Vess try and capture everyone, but only capture Charlie. Eighth Doctor tries to free her, and they sense another TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, so we assume it's another Doctor, but it ain't. Right, mm-hmm. meanwhile, the Sixth Doctor, the star of the show, as it were, and Perry. Perry... You know when you get that warning on your iPhone that says your volume's too high, turn it down? Yeah. I got that frequently when she was on. <laughs> like, that voice, man. Uh, it's a whole vibe. Yeah, it's not great. Right, but they also pick up on this red light. So, But they're clever and they say, well, this is probably a trap. We shouldn't do this. Yeah. Did you, did you like that it was specifically the sixth Doctor just like... 
Oh, only an idiot would yeah. uh, follow so instructions. I, I know I always say that, like, Pertwee's my favourite, but I really do like Colin Baker. He is great, and I and I really feel like the fandom is ever so, like, it is like turning an oil tanker, but as a, as a whole, everyone is finally starting to realise just how brilliant Colin Baker has always been. I... I, I get the feeling with him more than any of the other doctors, and I find I, I kind of feel this way with Shooty Gatwa, and I, I definitely got it when we had Capaldi, that they're almost like in on the joke. I don't really know what the mm. joke is, but like they don't take it too seriously, and yeah, you know, it. it I I one hundred percent get what you mean. Yeah, like. I, I can't think of any other way of putting it other than they're in on the joke, even though I know it's not a joke. Just just in a sort of like, ooh, isn't it fun that I get to dress up as the Doctor today? Yeah, yeah. He's just having a whale of a time. Yeah. Right. Um, so the Vest factory goes into lockdown, but the Doctors have got sonic screwdrivers so they can work their way through it. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, they're unaware that they're being watched by the Master. Yeah. Who introduces himself to Charlie and says, sometime soon, you'll have never heard of the Doctor. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Now, it's important to say, that happens about ten minutes into part one, which is over an hour (laughs) long. Yeah. Right. Um, I might just skip through some of this. Uh, Yeah, go for it. They go to the Master's TARDIS. Uh, it turns out the Vest facility is in a pocket dimension that you have to go to a specific space-time coordinate to get to. Okay? So the Doctors yeah. are now trapped in a pocket dimension. Uh, yeah. They see a ghost-like image, but this time it's McCoy. Yeah. Now, I, I've been praising all of them. I think McCoy's pretty good in this as well. Yeah, they're all having fun in this one. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and I get the feeling this is almost like a friendlier representation of McCoy's Doctor, you know. I think I think you get you're kind of getting the complete um, the complete version of McCoy's Doctor here. I think where you've got some of the silliness of his earlier stories with some of the darkness that really creeps in with his last series as well. Uh, I think you get flashes of both mm. like, over the course of this story. But Ace is great in this as well. I think out yeah. of all the companions, she does the best job. Yeah. And, she, well, I think in some ways she has the benefit that it was, comp- compared to the other classic companions, comparatively recent for her, so her voice hasn't really aged in the same way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she kind of slips right back into it. You can really picture her just being, you know, just as she was on, on screen. Right. Um, so, yeah, the Fifth Doctor and Nyssa go through all the same that the other Doctors have. Uh, and this time, however, instead of going to the exact time that, sorry, time-space coordinate, they go one minute early. Ah. They realise they're in a garden shed and they wait to see what happens. And once it comes, uh, the red light that's been appearing in everyone's TARDIS disappears. Yeah. Okay. Uh, McCoy and Ace 
go through into the pocket dimension. Okay. Uh, they see the images of the 4th and 8th Doctor. And he's able to communicate with them and ask about the power source. Okay. So, yet again, we get another explanation about regeneration. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just going to skip ahead because there's a lot of just sort of walking around at this point. Yeah, yeah. It it, it definitely it, it kicks into high gear in the second episode, I feel like. Right. Um, blah, 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 blah. Right. This bit looks important. Uh, they're spotted by, we haven't really talked about Bob Dovey. He's the guy no. whose garden they all keep appearing in. And yeah. he mistakes them for the police. It turns out his family have gone missing. And they notice that he takes no notice of their strange clothes. So they decide to pretend to be the police and look into it. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I think we'll pause for a second and talk about Bob Dovey. So, and this this part of the story. So I, one thing that I think is quite clever with what Nick Briggs does with his script for this is that you have elements of past, present and future, which is obviously a core aspect of Doctor Who. So you've got the far future spacey stuff with the vests. You've got British history in the form of setting it on the day that Doctor Who aired, mm. November the 23rd, 1963. And specifically... Uh, I forgot that reference. Uh, did you not? No, no, yeah. that's why they chose that day. And it's specifically a small... Hold on, so does that mean, at some point, Ace and McCoy are somewhere else in that other episode? Because didn't they do an episode where Doctor Who first airs? Remember we watched well, yeah, that Dalek t- episode? It's prof- it? Yeah, it's Professor X or something it's called, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. Um, so presumably that is going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and specifically, it's a small town in Hampshire. And so which is where Nicholas Briggs grew up. So it, it, he's, I think, think basically he's inserting his own family and his own memories, if you like, into this story. And what I think Bob Dovey sort of represents is his parents' generation who probably didn't quite get Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So when the whole kind of plot unfurls and it's all about him basically, this... this Simple bloke from 1963, not quite being able to just comprehend the notion of the TARDIS existing. I feel that's almost on a meta level. That's kind of what Nick Briggs is getting at there. I could be, I could be stretching with that, but that's sort of the way I read it. Um, right. So, well, yeah. when they're investigating, they look inside a dollhouse. And they find tiny versions of Bob's family. Yeah. They find that this is due to tissue compression. Oh, it's the master. Yeah. That other TARDIS must be him. Yep. Okay. Um, So he's broken the law of time travel and crossed his own timeline. And on the TV, the master's face appears. So everyone tuning in for Professor X, get this. Yeah, Um, very disappointing. But... The master proclaims that actually crossing timeline doesn't matter anymore. So Bob confronts the doctor, hearing that his family were killed, and the doctor says, "Don't worry, we'll solve this." Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 
They try to go back to their TARDIS, but Bob's in the way. Uh, he begins recognising the TARDIS in the Fifth Doctor, but he can't really remember what's going on, so they chuck him in the TARDIS with them. And the TARDIS explodes. Yep. Taking the Fifth Doctor, Nyssa and Bob out of action. Yes, indeed. And that's the end of part one, isn't it? Yep. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it wasn't bad. It took me probably till the end of part one. To sort of work out where we're going and what's happening. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I would say the first, it's tough because it is two hours, and that first hour is basically quite a lot of setup, throwing quite a lot of balls into the air, obviously dealing with introducing um, five main doctors plus. Mm-hmm. Plus little cameos from impressions of the other three Doctors. You know, it's a lot Yeah. going on. Well, we find out in part two, the first three Doctors are just kind of there steering everyone. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I kind of, I thought that was a really nice way to deal with them, actually. By, by being like, look, we're not going to have them front and centre because it's impressions and you're not here to listen to people pretend to be other Doctors. You know. It's like that children in need sketch where their heads are just floating around. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, fourth Doctor, eighth Doctor, Perry and Ace. Oh, no. It's not Perry and Ace, is it? it I've got all the Doctors muddled. It's the... Which Doctor is this? Basically, it's Davison... Colin Baker, Perry and Ace yeah. enter the same factory yeah, so, that the other Doctors so, are in. So that's Doctors 5 and 6 we've got there. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're all running about. They're all running about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, blah, 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 PC blah. PC get together, investigating. Right. They run into a couple of Time Lords. They recognise the Doctor and capture him and Perry. Yeah. Uh, the Seventh Doctor and Ace notice they've been spotted. And it's the master watching them. Okay, we yeah. get some drones. There's just drones all the way through this. There is. Okay, the sixth doctor asks why there's time lords in a weapons factory when they're supposed oh. to be peaceful. This is my second, well, maybe actually my favourite scene of the whole two parts. Just Colin Baker bringing the indignant rage mm. on on this idiot time lord who's made a deal with the master yeah well it's when it goes oh i'm straxus i'm like am i supposed to know who that is yeah that's that to be fair that is very big finish like straxus is is a time lord character who features in other big finish stories but it doesn't matter ultimately it's when there's the celestial intervention agency i was just like it's above my head a bit this yeah, to be, I mean, if you clicked on that on, on TARDIS Wiki, uh, you'd be in for a long read, certainly. But, right. but basically, you can, you can guess at what that, that is, right? You know, it's, it's basically Time Lord Secret Police. Mm. Yeah, I kind of sussed that. I did wonder, is it, again, I can't remember what story it is. In fact, is it from the Twin Dilemma where there's the Space Police? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I wondered if it was them, but it's not, is it? Yeah. It's time yeah. place. No. 
Right. Uh, so, yeah, Straxus reveals that the one responsible is the master. Uh, then Perry disappears. Straxus says that's caused by the master. And this is where we realise that the High Council aren't aware of what's going on. Yeah. Oh, th- this article on TARDIS Wiki is so long. Right. <laughs> long, long story short, there's a conceptual bomb. or a, Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's just skip, so basi- a, skip ahead. Conceptual so basically, Yeah, so basically, what the Master... Um, because the, the Straxus didn't want the Time Lords finding out that they were, you know, browsing, uh, uh, you know, buying really horrible intergalactic weapons from the Vess... Mm-hmm. In the sort of, using the sort of like nuclear proliferation argument of like, well, if our enemies have got these kinds of things, we need to have them too. Um, and the master finds them out and uh, blackmails them. And so they say, look, if you promise not to tell anyone on Gallifrey, you can choose yourself a weapon, any weapon uh, from the vest. And he chooses this conceptual bomb. And basically, the 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 way it works is if somebody thinks one thing, then that thing will become a reality. Mm-hmm. And he engineers it. He chooses Bob Dovey as a target so that when Bob Dovey sets foot in the TARDIS, he cannot conceive of the TARDIS existing. And thus, that completely unravels the Doctor's entire history of intervening. That's it. In, so, uh, space when and he time. initially enters the TARDIS, he says, Oh, that's impossible. So, yes. you make that a reality that the TARDIS is impossible. Therefore, it was never on Gallifrey. The Doctor never leaves, and everything else doesn't happen. Yeah. So, the Doctor's personal history unravels. It's, to be fair, as a concept, it's it's you know it's fairly standard stuff. It you know we've seen it in the name of the Doctor. The Great Intelligence has basically the same plan. Um, I, I've only watched the Power of the Doctor the once. Isn't the Master doing something similar in that? Yeah, as well, sort of just trying to erase the Doctor. Like it's it happens. <laughs> but, so, but like I say, the the plot really. It's a structure on which to hang the interactions, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, essentially that happens, but the fourth and eighth Doctor have already worked that out. And at this point, all the Doctors have kind of fused consciousness, so they send... When the Master's ranting about it, they basically broadcast that conversation to their earlier selves. Mm-hmm. So the other Doctors, the reason there's been that red light and that's time-space coordinate is so the other Doctors can go there and basically put Bob Dovey in the TARDIS and he goes, wow, amazing, and they convince him it's real and it undoes everything. Yes. Yeah, they go, they go a year prior. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to be like, and uh, it, it's it's the fifth Doctor who does it because he was who he met before. But he says, here it is. Mm-hmm. It seems seems mad, but it does exist. So when you see it again in a year's time, you won't be quite so uh, bowled over by it. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I did like the bit 
right at the end where um, they all go back to their individual TARDISes. Yeah. They forget everything that's happened, but they're all compelled to go to the 23rd of November, 1963, and they knock yes. on Bob Dovey's door. And he's just like, yes. can you leave me alone? Let me guess. You're the eighth p- person. You're a doctor. Yeah. And he's just like, just stop. Okay. Yeah. It's John Dorney, I think, playing Bob Dovey, if memory serves. Uh, who is actually, he's 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 he does the odd bit of acting for Big Finish, but he's he's one of their mainstay writers. Right. Okay. Um uh and yeah, I love his performance in this scene though. I think it's it is up there with, with uh the sixth doctor confronting Straxus Straxus. I just love he's just so so exhausted and furious. Um by and what I love about it is because it's happened each time we get this sense that every single doctor it at their core they care, you know. They know. They feel instinctively there's something wrong. So they want, to, and so it kind of it speaks to that sort of inherent caring nature of the Doctor, um, which again I think what a, what a fiftieth anniversary, what an anniversary story should do, it, it should be exploring what is the essence of Doctor Who. So I think it kind of gets to that, uh, but also I think it's just yeah, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, yeah. It, not bad. I didn't mind this. I don't know if it's my favourite big finish we've listened to. Yeah, no, but, I think that's fair. But like I say, it, I think if I'd been more experienced at big finish and I could recognise the voices, and it it is a different way to take in Doctor Who. Like, So for yeah. example, when we did the Chimes of Midnight... I listened to it in my car and I was pretty focused on it and I found it a lot easier to take in. But here, the story's a little bit non-sequential and it jumps from scene to scene. Mm, And, you know, I'm just not that well-versed in... Yeah, no, I I will say the way it's structured, it it can be a trickier listen. And I think, unfortunately, that's just kind of part and parcel of the fact that it's um you know it's a 50th anniversary with a lot of balls to juggle um but yeah i i i i really do enjoy this one it's like i say it's it's a, become a bit of a habitual comfort listen for me this is probably the fourth time i've listened to it mm-hmm. in the last sort of two or three years i i listen to i think especially I think the first or second time I listened to it was when I was probably at my most anxious during the pandemic. Right, okay. You know, and I just found it very, very comforting to just sort of immerse myself in... I think what I love about it, what makes it so comforting for me is, one, it's got all the Doctors in it. And as someone who doesn't have a favourite Doctor, who just loves all the Doctors, it's quite nice to have a bit of a... An all-you-can-eat Doctor buffet, yes. if you like. Yeah. Um, and also because of the nature of the, these kinds of stories, where inevitably with fiftieth anniversary stories, I mean, you notice this with the, with uh, the Day of the Doctor as well. Essentially, 
it's it's all a load of nothing. It's just hitting a reset button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? So it it doesn't actually matter in the end. It's not. It's not as it feels high stakes without actually being high stakes. Yes. Yeah. Um. And again, that's quite that's quite a nice comforting thing sometimes. I but feel like going going um, back to what we said earlier, I think yeah. for me. Audio works better where it's plot heavy, not so much of a romp. And this was quite rompy at times. And yeah. I think I need to see that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I think if you if you could have had some like little moments of slapstick and stuff in there, I think it would have helped with the tone. But unfortunately, you, you can't you can't do that on audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are definitely. It suffers from, uh, you'll get this with, this isn't exclusive to Big Finish, this is audio drama in general, but, you know, those words of like, oh no, there's something coming towards us, it looks like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, insert description here. Nobody would say that in real life, you wouldn't stop to describe out loud the thing that's coming towards you. Yeah. Exactly. You'd just be screaming and running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... You know, you've got to make these concessions to the medium, haven't you? Um, yeah, I, I do want to do some more audio with you. I'll tell you what I really want to do with you at some point, Matt, is I would love to do just a, a straightforward Sixth Doctor story on on audio uh, with you. Where, where are we up to in terms of classic? We've got a way to go. We've got a way to go. We, we're doing Second Doctor next. Right. So it's a while until we do Sixth again. And to be honest, when we do Sixth next time, we probably need to do Vengeance on Varos. Okay. Why um, Why don't we, when we do classics, why don't we do a classic episode and a classic audio? Yeah, I'd be up for that. Certainly when we get... I think when we get to the doctors who have actually recorded with big finish like i'm not i'm not keen on doing an episode where we're just listening to someone doing a trout impression yeah. not that i don't think there are good stories to be had uh with those and if if you're into those ones great i i, I don't have any at the moment in my collection i'll probably get around to it eventually um but but i think uh, it's more exciting when it is the actual original yeah. performers. Yeah. Uh, but we can do that. I think I've I've certainly got stuff I could pull from from four doctors, four through eight. Yeah. In audio and indeed nine, we could do some ninth doctor stuff on audio if you want, Matt. Well, the I, I've got good news, David. What's that? Be- before we do that, we're going back to Torchwood. Oh God. You know what, I haven't even looked up what episodes we're doing next. Uh, do that. Who cares? Some nerd listening to this will be like, actually, <laughs> it's this episode. Like, well, get a life. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. What are we on? Torchwood Series 2. Uh, series 2, Torchwood. What have we watched so far? Um, we're over the halfway point. I hate TARDIS Wikia. I don't know if I've... <laughs> right, uh, we've done a day in the death. I don't think we've done yeah. something borrowed or from out of the rain. No, those are the two we're doing next. Right, we've got five episodes to go. Are we doing a two and a three or a two, two, one? Uh, 
Uh, genuinely, my preference would be for a two and a three. Two and a three. Get them over and done Get... with. Yeah. And then we can move on to second Doctor. Yeah. Hold on. Let me look at how this interacts with when I'm moving. So this episode comes out then. Next episode comes out then. Next episode comes out then. Uh, so by the time we finish Torchwood, we've still got like two weeks before I move. Great. So, I don't know. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. We will. One way or t'other. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, trivia. Yeah, and stop looking at weird stuff on Twitter. It clogs up our timeline. Okay? Stop <laughs> Stop liking dirty stuff. Right. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.